What is happening, everyone? Welcome again to The Window, Canada's sports betting podcast. To head on today's episode of The Window, stay hot. We've got ourselves a full-blown heater after a perfect weekend on the ice and a 16-3 stretch on Action Network write-ups. I'll break down how luck plays a part in any hot streak, why one good handicap of a game or team can translate into three or four wins. Plus, avoiding losses, not getting greedy with teams that have helped us build the bankroll. Finally, we'll look at the NHL's last big regular season slate tonight. It's time to head to the window. Let's go. Welcome to the window. I'm your host, Matt Russell. Hope everybody had a really great weekend. Um, kind of hard not to when it comes to the successes here over the last couple of weeks, certainly when it comes to betting in the NHL and even some of the other stuff, right? Canelo gets the knockout or the TKO win over Saunders on Saturday night. Hit a couple winners with Formula One in just kind of playing around with betting that. We got to do a full podcast about Formula One betting at some point uh, down the stretch here. Uh, Golf was really interesting yesterday, not really from an excitement level, but this golf season's been kind of something else. And, you know, part of it is there's just a lot of really good golfers. And Roy McIlroy comes back and he, you know, he's back, right? He, he wins for the first time in almost two years or a year and a half. And it feels like forever. And it's, you know, quasi-emotional and Mother's Day and all of this other stuff. And so, but you look at the PGA in general and it just kind of sets up that like every week something's going to happen because Tiger Woods isn't winning six, seven tournaments a year anymore. And there's just so many good guys that it's almost like there's this rotation where it's very easy to go a year, a year plus. You know, we had Jordan Spieth and he hadn't won in a few years, but you can go a long time without winning and still be a really, really good golfer. And so anytime you can get a Rory McIlroy at 20 to 1, the way we talked about it last week, just this idea that, you know, when are we ever going to get him 20 to 1 again? Is it worth it? And it's like, he's going to be 20 to 1 until he wins, and then it's going to sort of turn. And we've got the PGA Championship coming up, which is why this is sort of relevant now, in a couple weeks' time at Kiowa. And I even saw that he was reposted as the favorite for the PGA Championship. Now, I think that's a little bit much, but of course, it's at the place where he won last. Quail Hollow is a place that he had won a couple of times, but essentially every five times that it had been played, he had won, which, you know, kind of gives you this perfect idea of what his odds should be. If he's going to win it every five years, he should probably be around five to one to win the tournament. Now, of course, that's not really how this works. Um, you know, but at 20 to one, again, you're going to be 20 to one until you win. And then you're no longer ever going to be back to that number unless another like year and a half goes by. So there's just a ton of guys and everybody's capable of winning. And that's the fun part about golf. Of course, you also have these other guys just coming up out of nowhere. And you also have really big names that are missing the cut. And we just saw a ton of top guys miss the cut, the top 20, the par three from Wednesday goes down in flames. Nobody even makes the weekend. I don't even really feel all that bad about it because, you know, you had the John Roms of the world missing the cut. Bryson DeChambeau thought he missed the cut. He flew home to Texas and had to fly right back for a tea time first thing in the morning because he thought he missed the cut. So you guys missing the cuts that never miss cuts. And it's why we only really focus on golf come the majors 
because at least we think that we have a better grip on who's going to be able to contend, what level of player is going to be able to contend. And you don't have kind of random guys like, you know, Keith Mitchell just kind of showing up and winning or coming very close every couple years, right? He had won a couple of years ago uh, Honda Classic, I think, uh, you know, if uh, my memory uh, serves me correctly. And so, you know, again, there's just so much talent even in that sort of next level that on any given week, certain guys can kind of pop up and jump into the top 20. And so you look at some of the names that are in the top 20 this week, it was pretty crazy. But I digress. We'll get more into that on Wednesday when we talk about this coming tournament's weekend. We got to get into some hockey, which of course means... As they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. Thank you very much, Laszlo. Yeah, a little let's do that hockey. But first a little bit on sort of this heater that we have been on, right? The anatomy of this heater. What has changed that has allowed us to win all these games? Uh, Action Network previews 16-3 and in the last 19 Action Network previews. So when I talk about those games being, uh, you know, writing for the app and wanting to check those out as far as deep diving into what goes into handicapping the game, you know, things have turned quite in quite a favorable way for that sort of thing. So, you know, fundamentally regression, right? We talk about cold streaks, we talk about hot streaks, and we hope that the the hot streaks outweigh or outlast the cold streaks, right? There's more of them, they are longer, et cetera, et cetera, right? And managing a bankroll. And so part of that is selecting what games to play. So, you know, again, we could have gone into this weekend and just started firing away at everything. And so how it went over the course of this weekend, Dallas and Tampa Bay on Friday, feels like it was a million years ago at this point. But, you know, when you're talking about getting hot, right, it's finding a read on one team or sort of one subset of teams that allows you to win not just one bet, but multiple bets. So Dallas and Tampa Bay, we were able to not just win this game, but we were able to avoid the previous game, right? We were able to avoid Dallas-Tampa Bay one, you know, the previous uh, Wednesday. You know, Tampa Bay wins that game. Dallas looks to all be out. And sort of the key is, is that they weren't out. They were still just four back uh, with a couple of games left on the schedule or two back once they ended up winning this game. And so Dallas comes in eight to one on high danger chances. They convert three of those 1.92 and the expected goals four at even strength to 1.13. So again, thoroughly dominating Tampa Bay as expected, as we talked about, Curtis McElhaney gets the start, right? And that's the type of thing that we were keeping our, you know, finger on the pulse for, right? We wanted to know, okay, who's going to, you know, play here. How much does Tampa care about a game that doesn't really matter to them relative to the standings? Because we knew those two points weren't really going to make a difference to them when it comes to this little battle that they're in with Florida. Of course, more on that in a little bit. So that game sets up the rest of the weekend. Meanwhile, Detroit and Columbus, you know, we're on the fence about what to do there with regards to the goalie carousel. We had talked about the matchups, who's matching up against who, whatever. Columbus decides, again, feels a little tanky from an organizational standpoint to put in a guy who hasn't played all season in the final two games of the regular season. Okay, and you go, huh, all right, so again, the players aren't going to tank. They certainly weren't as they took a lead in that game. And, you know, 8-8 high danger chances, 1-1 in the conversion of those high danger chances, and 1.44 to 1.33 for the Red Wings in expected goals 4-5 on 5. So again, a very evenly played game. Just so happens Detroit gets a few more goals, a couple of more goals, essentially. After going down 2-0, they come back, they get a 3-2 lead. 
some soft, not even soft goals, but just sort of goals where the goaltender was out of play, out of the mix. He was just sort of not in the proper position, which, you know, aren't soft goals necessarily. And they're not, you know, it's not like he wasn't coming through again. One out of eight for Detroit in the high danger chances is right around league average. So, you know, it's not like the game falls solely on the shoulders of the goaltender there. But again, all it takes is one goal where the goaltender's out of position for that to change the game. And in this case, I think that was what happened with the Red Wings. We end up getting there, uh, tweeted out later on in the day, once the goaltending stuff was sort of sorted out, we had a five, an even five at minus 105, which I don't know that we've seen all season long, certainly not in the North or Central Divisions, and I don't think really anywhere else. Normally, you have to pay a significant amount of juice to get a flat five. And of course, why is a flat five matter? Well, if you have a 2-2 game, you're getting a push no matter what. And that's exactly what happened. We had a 2-2 game. Detroit scores pretty quickly thereafter to make it 3-2. So we're sitting with a push on the over the whole way, and it works out where Detroit ends up getting an empty net goal late, and we end up cashing both. And so that's the kind of stuff that, like, from just a fortune standpoint, just a luck standpoint, that's going to go in your favor when you know, you're know you on a heater, if you will, right? So Saturday rolls around, there's a handful of games, right? There's a ton of different games that we could have played. I was sort of itchy trigger fingering, what? Montreal uh, over Toronto, right? It was around plus 200. That's obviously as way high as it's been all season long. But again, feeling like, okay, that's a really good number, but is Montreal going to really win this game? And I'm kind of half kicking myself or almost full kicking myself when Montreal takes that early one nothing lead and is kind of hanging on, hanging on. Throughout the game, Toronto, real phone-in job, especially in the first period of that game. And you go, okay, like Toronto's going to put up a couple of these kind of phone-in jobs here down the stretch as they, quote-unquote, prepare for the playoffs, right? Where it's getting guys rest, And again, it's not just not playing guys, right? It's instead of why would we play Austin Matthews for 20 minutes in a game when we can play him for 12 minutes in a game and just keep him fresh for the playoffs. So these are the things that don't necessarily go into the number. So point is, we avoid it and we avoid taking a unit loss. So all of a sudden, Saturday now looks even better because we're sitting there with Ottawa, Winnipeg. And of course, that was just a price that we couldn't resist. Plus 180 overnight, 170 early on gets down to 160, even a little bit lower than that in some spots. And of course, Ottawa, 2.13 expected goals for to 2.01 for Winnipeg, but 14 to 8 in high danger chances for Ottawa. This Winnipeg team is just not very good right now. And so, um, you know, Ottawa converts two of the 14. Uh, Winnipeg converts one of the eight. So again, you know, one out of seven to one out of eight from a percentage standpoint, uh, ratio standpoint. And so now you're sitting going like, okay, Ottawa wins that game, and we were full value for that victory. It was a good bet. It was a good result. All of these things, right? And that's what we want to do. We want to string together good bets and good results. And on the same time, right, we want to be selective. So Detroit and Columbus has a rematch. And again, could have taken Detroit, could have taken the over. But again, we didn't get the same price that we wanted with the over, right? And of course, it didn't end up mattering. The teams go 4-4, you know, through regulation and into overtime. And of course, Columbus gets the overtime win. So it's nice that we didn't get that sour taste of a Detroit loss because Detroit has been pretty good to us as a, you know, underdog every game value type team, right? Detroit and Ottawa have been the teams that we have circled, we've backed, and we've been profitable this season. And they're effectively, at least certainly going into the season, the two teams that everybody thought were going to be the worst teams in the league or in the division. And so when you see these teams, and, you know, we can remember this for every sport and every league every year, but 
you know, they're not, it's not, not going to work out every single time. But like, if there's two teams that everybody just thinks is, are going to be the absolute worst, there's a decent probability that somebody else is going to end up being worse. And whether that's Vancouver this year, which of course was a surprise to a lot of people given how far they went last year in the Stanley Cup playoffs, or Detroit and, you know, Chicago and Columbus being sort of equally bad, but at much higher ratings relative to the marketplace, you know, all you need to do is be better than a couple of these teams for you to be profitable in backing some of the really quote-unquote worst teams in the league. So the other game that we did bet on, Carolina and Nashville. And again, this is all part of that Dallas-Tampa Bay sort of combination, you know, all of these teams sort of clustered together where you go, okay, because Dallas wins, now Nashville needs to win to make the playoffs. And it's never as simple as them just needing to win. But also because Dallas beat Tampa Bay, Carolina clinches first place in the division. So what's the urgency levels? Now in this game, it's 8-6 for high danger chances for Carolina at even strength and a 1.26 to 1.29. So a very evenly game, you know, played game. So you don't know, right, what the difference was in Nashville winning this game, a bunch of posts, you know, a bunch of you know saves that all could have gone the other way for each team. That's hockey. That's kind of how it works, obviously, right? But we watched this number plummet was plus 130, goes all the way down to effectively a pick'em game. Nashville gets it done, and maybe it's not the first period, maybe it's not the second period, but at the third period is where you're going to see the urgency change, right? The urgency for Nashville to win the game is going to be a lot different than the urgency for Carolina. So Nashville wins that game and we cash there meanwhile tampa bay and florida talked about it on uh friday hope to get you know minus 105 even money with tampa bay against florida then we find out you know tampa decides victor Hedman can rest and you know i don't know necessarily what their attitude is and i wrote a preview for the action network for tonight which we'll get to here in a second because these two teams match up again i think this is the one you want to circle tonight and watch because i think it's going to be a really interesting game but we'll get to that in a little bit Point is, is this game five to one, I believe, on the scoreboard looks like Florida, you know, quote unquote dominated, but it's three to two in high danger chances. Each team converted one of those high danger chances, 1.18 for Tampa to 1.63 for Florida in the expected goals for. So Florida, obviously a little bit more in the expected goals for uh, category, seven to one in power plays for Florida in part because things got a little crazy in this game, right? It wasn't uh, Washington and the Rangers, but it was a little scrappy here as these two obviously have a date next week for a playoff series. And so it'll be interesting to see tonight sort of how that carries over. And so, you know, once Hedman gets announced out, I'm out on the game in general. And of course, Florida wins. And so again, we save ourselves a unit there. So when we're talking about getting hot, right, it isn't picking every single game and being right about every single game. It's just somehow finding the territory, finding the zone, if you will, to just skip some of these games that end up being losers and just focus on the winners. Now that's easier said than done and it can get you can get into the weeds when it comes to uh, a cold streak, right? You can end up finding all the losers in all of that. And that's really just the fundamental difference between a hot streak and a cold streak. But overall, the kind of key point in all of this is sample size, right? And so if you started, you know, listening to this podcast just for hockey and you just started in, you know, January or February and you're like, "Man, we're losing all these overtime games or you know, getting on some really bad luck when it comes to, uh, you know, just the five on five play on the ice. And like, we're down, you know, we were down seven units as of, you know, essentially about a month ago. Well, we have blown through that and we are way on the positive side now for the season, which again, give, 
you know, for lack of a better sort of phrasing here, give me enough time and we're going to end up on the positive, right? That's the way it was for all of the other game, uh, excuse me, leagues and teams that we focus on, whether it's the NFL or college basketball starting really well and then just kind of, you know, having a slow finish, but building up so much early on that we were able to sort of withstand, right? And it's eventually going to end up at around 55, 54%, obviously in hockey, a little bit different, right? So I talk about 16 and three in the last 19 uh, Action Network previews. The vast majority of those, 13 out of the 19, were underdog plays. So we weren't even looking to go 55%. We were certainly weren't looking to go 16 out of 19, but we managed to get that done at using primarily underdogs. And all three losses were underdogs and two of those three losses, the three losses, by the way, Tampa Bay beating Chicago. We took Chicago at a plus 200 all home underdog type price. Didn't work out. Didn't really expect it to work out. Loss number two, Ottawa and Montreal. And loss number three, Ottawa and Vancouver. Well, Ottawa won the other three games in that four game set. And Vancouver only had one high danger chance in that game. I feel like that was a pretty good bet. Ottawa had to play, if you include warmups and sort of, you know, the... Uh, assessment of their starting goaltender, they had to play three different goaltenders. They thought three different goaltenders were starting uh, in that game. And so, you know, things that we can't control, I guess is the point. And then the other one, again, like I said, Ottawa and Montreal, where Ottawa's got a two goal lead in the third period, two nothing lead in the third period, game goes to overtime, Cole Caulfield scores the goal in overtime. And then of course gets it back for us on Monday when Montreal beats Toronto. So again, these three losses, one of them was fully expected in Chicago and Tampa Bay. And the other two, we probably deserved a little bit better with Ottawa, a team that's what, eight and three in their last 11, nine and three in their last 12, something along those lines up until of course last night, which again, we'll get to here in a second. Finally, Vancouver and Edmonton. And I tweeted this out. Uh, you know, obviously, we don't know what the number on Connor McDavid is going to be until game day. So Saturday, the game comes up and it's minus 175. So first and foremost, that's a massive adjustment. I don't even know that it's an over adjustment because we've been cashing with what minus 105 and minus 115 and minus 145 with the McDavid over one and a half. And so I tweeted out like I probably can't do the over one and a half on McDavid here at minus 175 because it became closer and closer to the Oilers money line, right? And that's the whole point. The whole point was compare the McDavid over one and a half to the money line for the Oilers. And we got to a point where the Oilers money line was a full one dollar bigger than his price, which, you know, kind of crazy, right? Like it was getting out of hand. And that was the whole point that when we lose this bet, we rather lose it at the price of McDavid, not at the price of the money line for the Oilers. And so that's sitting there at minus 175. The Oilers were around minus 230. So again, that, that, that uh, straddle, if you will, was being tightened. That being said, the you know books were offering over two and a half, over three and a half, and of course he needed four points to get to a hundred. And I talked about how plus four fifty, that was certainly uh, something interesting because I had talked about how I thought that again I thought he was going to get four points against the Canucks because that's just again kind of um, it just kind of felt that way, right? Like the metrically, like it didn't. You know, there wasn't anything that said, oh, yeah, for sure he's going to get four points. Like, that would be kind of crazy. But, you know, coming off of a loss um, and having it so close to happening here just kind of felt like it was going to happen. So even that goes and cashes. So things are getting, you know, pretty crazy when it comes to winning some of these bets at this point. So uh, that being said, um, we'll talk about 
you know, how that sort of changes here as Monday night rolls around. Um, so Edmonton ends up getting that victory four to three, but again, 11 to 10 in high danger chances. In this case for Vancouver, 2.12 to 1.72 in the expected goals for, for Edmonton, one, one in the high danger chance. And of course the game itself was four to three. So again, as much as the, the hullabaloo, if you will, about McDavid, it's like, they're still just kind of barely winning these games and the metrics aren't all that attractive to them, um, you know, when we're evaluating deeper than just sort of the score. So Sunday rolls around and again, right, Dallas, a part of this, you know, group here, and they are now eliminated. They did nothing to deserve it. As far as Saturday was concerned, they didn't even play. They sat, they watched Nashville win the game. And that's, you know, I wrote about this again for the Action Network, deflation, right? Like the idea of, okay, well, what are we playing this game for? And the announcers were, you know, making jokes about the uh, linesmen not calling, you know, waving off uh, uh, icings just to keep the play going so that we could move this thing along, right? Because again, we're at this point where when these games don't matter to teams, you know, they take on sort of a different script, if you will. And I think maybe for some, and this is going to be a generic take, this isn't going to be a thing where we're like, hey, look, we bet this, we bet that. But high danger chances were 16 to 10, for Dallas, 3.2 to 1.44 for Dallas. So they were certainly getting chances because Chicago was playing how Chicago plays. They play super loose. Dallas was like, you wanna play some loose hockey? Let's play some loose hockey. Kevin Lankinen ended up coming through and saving the day effectively for Chicago as they get what was a relatively comfortable win, 3-1 lead going into the third, and they end up taking it. Uh, I believe there was an empty net goal at the end. So. You know, how does that affect going forward and what we're looking for? Dallas-Chicago tonight, um, the, you know, Lankinen not in, neither is Subban, the uh, the other guy, effectively, the guy who had gotten a couple of games in last week, whose name escapes me at the moment here. He's getting the start. So, you know, if Dallas comes out and they play that loose hockey again, we get ourselves 26 high danger chances. The over might be a decent look in this game because I think, both teams could end up scoring um, a little more than you'd think. And then finally, Ottawa and Calgary. And you're sitting there going like, well, didn't we lose with Ottawa? No, because we didn't play Ottawa. Certainly wasn't reflected in the Action Network. Certainly talked about it a little bit on Friday about how the game to bet on was the game against the Winnipeg Jets. And while we didn't know, you know, listen, we think Calgary's probably phoned in this season, but you also had the scheduling spot issue for Ottawa, where they're playing in Winnipeg one night, then they have to go to Calgary the next night and play for a Calgary team that was just waiting for them. And was that the reason why Ottawa lost? Well, 0.85 expected goals for for Ottawa to 2.39 for Calgary, 13 to 3 for Calgary in the high danger chances. Also, and it's, you know, this is important here for a couple of games left in the season. Philip Gustafson right now looks awesome for the Ottawa Senators. And what have we been looking for all season long? Just goaltending from this Ottawa Senators team. He looks great. The other guys, not so much. Anton Forsberg, I don't know that I necessarily want to blame him for the game yesterday, um, but certainly enough goals there that weren't in the high danger category here that, uh, you know, I don't know that I'm looking to back Forsberg when he's in net here, right? So like it's Murray if he cares, which at this point, I don't know that he's going to be back or if he should be, but certainly Gustafson is going to be the guy that we want to be backing here down the stretch with a couple of games left for the Senators. So again, avoiding the losses is part of it too, right? Because you could be 16 and three and you know, if you play seven more games, you could easily go to 16 and 10. And while we'd love 16 and 10 every day of the week, right, we have to take advantage of these hot streaks when we get them. Because unfortunately, it isn't just win two out of three every single day for the rest of our lives. There are going to be times where we get hot, we get on these hot streaks, and there are going to be times where 
the opposite happens, right? And again, it's all about minimizing that uh, that downside. And hopefully with the playoffs coming around the corner, something that we generally succeed at uh, pretty much on a regular basis. Certainly last year, I don't know, you know, we're certainly not going to, you know, accomplish what we did last year. We're not going to even be able to accomplish what we did last year because of the lack of series relative to last year, right? We had those play-in series last year that were able to scoop a bunch of cash up for those. As for Monday's games, Carolina and Nashville, I don't know what to make of this game. So, you know, in theory, I look at it this way. Nashville clinches a playoff spot. They already know they've got to play Carolina. I imagine Pekka Rene is going to be in net. Um, does that mean we just back Carolina blindly? No, not necessarily. This is probably more just to stay away. But if you said who's going to win this game at gunpoint, I'd say Carolina. Dallas and Chicago, I just mentioned. Again, do I want to back Dallas? Do I want to back Chicago? I don't really want either of these teams. But I think there could be a fair amount of goals in this one. If I had to make a bet, I'd bet the over. As for Florida and Tampa Bay. And so this one I wrote about for the Action Network. You can check out that. But fundamentally, it's not that complicated, right? There's not a ton of numbers going on here. Tampa Bay goes into that game on Saturday and they go, we don't need to win this game. We can win the game Monday. And that's if they even care about getting second place and home ice advantage for the first round against Florida. Do they really care about starting the series in Tampa Bay? Do they even, in sort of their own hubris, think that it's even going to get to seven games where they're going to want to be at home, right? And so we've seen them sit Vasilevsky last weekend against Detroit. Again, almost get away with it, almost taking four points out of the four points with against Detroit. We knew that that game wasn't going to matter no matter what against Dallas on Friday. So they you know sit Vasilevsky there and they play McElhaney. And then they play in again, like we talked about, five to one in the scoreboard, but the metrics very much a closer tight-knit game. And did Florida make a mistake in sort of poking the bear, if you will, from a physicality standpoint with Florida? Because you have this game that is literally both teams' last game before they play each other, right? And there's, you know, it's hockey, right? So you all got to send a message, right? All of that cliche stuff, which is why we ended up with 136 penalty minutes in the game on Saturday. So does that wake up Tampa Bay here, which, you know, has them focused for this game? Victor Hedman doesn't play on Saturday. Is he going to be in the lineup tonight, right? That's something that we need to look for. But the point is, is I think Tampa Bay's got a much better chance to win this game than they did on Saturday because I think this one gets their attention for one reason or another, whether it's because of the physicality of Saturday or because they wake up on Sunday morning and go, listen, we can't lose both these games going going against this team, uh, going into a series against this team. And so I think we're going to get full focus here from Tampa Bay. You're getting Tampa Bay at the number we want. And again, fundamentally, it has to come back. Are we getting the number that we want here in this case, right? With Carolina and Nashville, the prices are exactly where I would have them in, you know, from a money line standpoint. Same thing with Dallas and Chicago. But Florida and Tampa Bay is a matchup where Tampa Bay is going to win this game 51% of the time. Now, getting 51%, you're getting even money at a 51% game, even a plus 105 for a 51% of the game, it's not the biggest edge in the world, right? But we're taking that, we're starting there. That's certainly better than a price of minus 115 or minus 120 or even minus 125, of course, with Florida. So we're going to pass on the Florida side of things here. And I think this is Tampa Bay or nothing. I'm willing to, quote unquote, put the record on the line. As you know, we are fully capable of you know, saying, screw the record here. Let's just keep going. You know, it's Thelma and Louise style, right? We might drive this thing right off the cliff here uh, at the end of the regular season, where again, motivations are questionable. And again, who knows how much Tampa really cares about this game. But I think what happened on Saturday is going to spark some interest with Tampa Bay here. So I'm grabbing them at plus 100 or better. There's some plus 105s out there as well. 
Similar kind of story with Edmonton and Montreal. And going back to Saturday's game, right, you saw how happy they were. And we had talked about this. This is the whole point of the McDavid over one and a half. It was the goal that the Oilers had going into the last week and a half of the season. Let's get our boy here, the leader of our team, the only reason we are where we are in the standings. Let's get him this milestone of 100 points in a season. They did it right? Happy, celebrating, whatever. And of course, a lot of their guys on the on the scoring end of this, because that's the sort of fun part about the points versus the goals, is that the guys, you know, get to score the goals and it all sort of works out. Well, now they've done it. They did it against a Canucks team who they've scored 20, or McDavid, excuse me, has scored 21 points over nine games this season. So well over two points per game. So again, not exactly a stingy defense, right? So a very capable thing here that they end up uh, accomplishing and they do it and it's great and yeah there's no home fans or whatever but they do it on home ice and that means something right and so even if the crowd you know even if the crowd noise is fake it still means something it would have been way different if they had done it on the road which again provided them some urgency to do so on Saturday well now they go on the road and they go against a Montreal team that's going to be a lot different than facing the Vancouver Canucks. Montreal, they played seven times this season. Montreal's held, and this is quotation marks, italics and all of the other thing, they've held Edmonton to, um, or they've held, excuse me, McDavid, to eight points in seven games here. Just had to look at that up to make sure I got that right. Eight points in seven games, which for any other player in the league would be outstanding, right? Would be awesome. You'd be thrilled to have over a point per game against a team. Well, this is McDavid, who's got, you know, two points per game here. So this is a lot different. And since their success, as we've talked about at length, rides on the shoulders of how well he does, it's kind of important that he gets off, if you will, against, you know, any team. And so Montreal has shown their ability to stop him. Now, Montreal's not exactly firing goals left, right, and center here, right? It's not an offensive juggernaut. They're, uh, you know, at this point, their depth has taken a hit. Uh, The offense is struggling. But if they can play a low-scoring game here and keep McDavid in check here, I think there's a chance they win this game. I think there's a decent chance they win this game. By the way, right? if the last two games against Toronto didn't show them that they should try to avoid Toronto here as best they possibly can, I don't know what else would, right? And so they have motivation here to catch Winnipeg, pass Winnipeg, and get a series with Edmonton, who again, by the way, they have done well this season. They've only lost Edmonton twice all season long, and it's not a coincidence because of the fact that they've done okay against McDavid. So again, no over one and a half here when it comes to McDavid, um, even though his number is, well, his number is minus 133. So I mean, think about that for a second. So his number is minus 133 to go over one and a half points. But the money line is like minus 120. So we went, I'm even seeing some pickums some in certain places, right? So minus 110. So we went from McDavid's likelihood to score two points being like percentage, like half the probability or 25% the probability of the team winning the game to all of a sudden he's got a better chance of scoring two points than they do of winning the game. Which again, and this is sports betting in a nutshell, right? It validates and it verifies our thinking, our logic, our math in supporting betting McDavid up until this point to the degree where it has completely been figured out. And that's how quick it is, right? It takes a week. It takes a week and a half for the sports books to adjust and go, why are we making McDavid over one and a half a better price than the money line? 
That doesn't make any sense. And that's what we said. And so they make that adjustment. And unfortunately, we're sitting there going, okay, well, we don't have that to bet on anymore. And that's how quickly it turns, right? Whether it's football, basketball, or hockey, these advantages only pop up for a very limited period of time. And so I like the Canadians in this game. I think at plus 100, nice even money price here. Um, I think that's a good bet. Uh, given some of the desperation here and some of the letdown for Edmonton, right? Because again, as much as the last few days here, few week or whatever, has been exciting for the Oilers and they won most of their games here. By the way, they still lost two games ago to the Canucks at home. Like It's not like it's out of the realm of possibility for the Canadians to win this game, right? It's just what do you have to play for? And they've accomplished what they've had to accomplish. But, you know, 108 points in 56 games doesn't quite have the same ring to it as a 100-point season does. So um, give me Montreal in this game at even money. Finally, Vancouver and Winnipeg. And again, like, what do you need to see from Winnipeg at this point, right? All we've seen so far in the last like, three weeks here is a win against Calgary. The, essentially the day after Calgary got eliminated from the playoffs. So, you know, I don't know that this team is full bore here. This is a team that I'm going to be looking to fade come the playoffs. Now, it's not going to be very lucrative because we're going to be paying a price in order to do so because they're not going to be favored in many of these games, if any, certainly... You know, if they're playing Toronto, they're not going to be favored in any of these games. If they end up playing Edmonton, maybe they might be a slight favorite at home in some of these games. But given the way they're playing, that seems you know, far-fetched at this point. So Vancouver comes in, and they're not great. Let's not kid ourselves here. But now we're just playing kind of exhibition-y type games. And at plus 150, I think Vancouver wins one of these next two games at Winnipeg. Which means we kind of go back to our regular season quasi-strategy of going, you know what, we're going to bet them in both games, and hopefully we get one, and we get a half unit, you know, out of the operation. Now, we're going to bet the first one, and if they win the first one, we get a unit and a half, and then we're done. We don't have to go back to the well that second time, and we cash that one and a half, and we move on about our business here. But again, the bet here for me is that they are going to win at least one of these games. Um, so I'm going to run with Vancouver at plus 150 tonight. Plus 150 or better is sort of the standard price um, for me in this game. So um, that's the story when it comes to Monday night, Tuesday. Things get way, way, you know, sleepier here the rest of the week. We're going to try to have a couple of guests on, that kind of thing, um, as we uh, as we frankly just ramp up because I'm studying at this point. This is very much a, you know, throw all the numbers together. We're bringing in the East and the, and the Pacific Division. Um you know, into the fold here for the playoffs. And we're going to have, you know, a ton to talk about with all of these teams as I familiarize myself with just what has gone on in the Eastern Division, how the Islanders, who seem to have the best metrics, are the sort of last team to qualify. Tons going on. Really excited about it. So uh, we got that to look forward to this week. As always, please subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. Follow along at MRussAuthentic on Twitter and the Action Network app, the underscore window underscore podcast on BetSperts. Until tomorrow, I'll see you at the window.